Welcome to episode 110 of the GTO on 5G. It's the latest inside scoop on everything 5G. We cover six topics in about 20 minutes, and it's brought to you by More Insights and Strategy. I'm Will Townsend, and joining me again this week is federal analyst Anshul Sag. Let's get started with my first topic. So news broke this week that an integrator, Extanet, announced a private 5G deployment for Austin Circuit of the Americas. And I've got a personal take on why I think this is important. So I attended the Formula One. So uh, COTA hosts the US Grand Prix. Uh, there's been an expansion of that to Miami, I believe, and, and uh, other cities over time. Vegas next year. What's that? Vegas next year. Vegas next year, yeah. Um, COTA did get a renewal. But I got to tell you, so I was at the event um, last year, and the cellular coverage was terrible. In fact, my cousin and I went. And he didn't download the tickets in advance. He tried to get on the network at the uh, at the racetrack, could not get connectivity. Um, apparently, Coda did not, you know, figure this out and you know call the AT and T's and Verizon's and T-Mobiles of the world to bring you know Colts and that sort of thing out to provide you know additional um, support and throughput. So what what's interesting about this is. Um, Apparently, Exonet uh, has been a longtime partner of Coda, but their goal is to provide increased coverage, obviously, and they're going to do that through a private 5G network. Um, if you're not familiar with Coda, there's also a music venue there as well. And so the, the applications, I mean, my experience was, again, you couldn't download tickets when you went to concession stands. All of those systems uh, around the racetrack are on um, LTE. And um, the, the concession stands backed up because there was poor connectivity. And it was just an oversubscription of the network. So a 5G private deployment should address that. And according to Extanet, they're talking about, you know, some of the benefits would obviously be entry ticketing and parking, which was my experience, digital signage, real-time fan applications. And that was the other issue. So Coda has a great uh, fan app so you can follow the race on your phone, but it was not functional because the, again, the network was oversubscribed there. So it'll support that um, as well as personalized fan engagement, probably some mixed reality solutions that, that are right up your alley as well. So you know, from my perspective, this is a long time coming and um, I'm hoping that a private 5G deployment at Coda and hopefully it's ready by the next Grand Prix this year will, uh, will make all the difference in the world you know, from a customer and attendee experience, but would love to get your thoughts. I'm not going to get my hopes up. Uh, I believe Coda, the uh, U.S. Grand Prix is usually in October. It is. Uh, so probably not. Um, that's only like two months away. Right. Uh, Good point. Three months away, basically. So I, I, my my expectations are very low. Yeah. But uh, I can speak from experience. I've been to Coda for an F1, game, F1 race as well. And the experience for connectivity was absolutely horrendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to mention just like overall infrastructure of getting in and out of there. Um, so I think, um, you know, the, the owners of Coda uh, need to reconsider their, their infrastructure choices um, because it's also, I believe the soccer venue is there is in that area as well. So there is a um, minor league soccer team that plays there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I just think that, uh, this is a long time coming and they probably need more than what they're committing to. Yeah. And I'm wearing my rally hat today, <laughs> you know, praying that, you know, something might be done, you know, at a minimum, hopefully. And I provided some feedback because actually I have a friend that knows um, some of the ownership there. 
and and at, and and basically provided you know my assistance to help them just you know work with the public mobile network operator providers to fortify um, the capacity there. But you're right. I mean, this is just announced. You know, the you know we're only a few you know few months away from from the next race. This is probably going to be a 2023 um, you know effective date. But uh, but I'm encouraged to see it. And you and I have talked on other podcasts just about how. Um, you know, five private 5G deployments, you know, millimeter wave in particular could be really compelling for sporting venues. And this would be a great example of that. But with that, let's move to your first topic this week. And finally, India is rolling out its 5G auction. And um, I believe I read, you know, I read the news on this. There are four operators that are involved, but you want to go into a little more detail about the, the mechanics of it all. Yeah. So the three big operators in India which are Reliance, Geo, Bharti, Airtel, and Vodafone. Um, between the three of them, they actually bid uh, to the tune of $18.6 billion, mm-hmm. um, which is double what the government estimated they would bid for the spectrum. Um, if you actually do this in rupees, it's 1.5 trillion rupees, um, which is obviously a very hard number to conceptualize. So uh, <laughs> right. $18.6 billion. Um, and this spectrum will um, will be, you know, essentially the the first rollout sometime in September October, um, mm-hmm. which which is you know I don't know what three years after it happened in the U.S. Right. Um, so there's there's a considerable amount of lag. Um, there is a lot of spectrum that went up for sale. There's you know, uh, 72 gigahertz of airwaves for a 20 year tenure. Um, and, and that's anywhere from 26 gigahertz to 600 megahertz in spectrum. So yeah. it's pretty um, complete, right? It's, it's low, mid and high band spectrum. Yeah. It's all kinds of spectrum. I think they've, they've, they're trying to enable a, a really good mix, which I think if you're behind, you might as well. Right. Um, because I think if you look at the market today, you know, most countries are still looking to deploy mid-band or high-band or low-band. So um, if they can do all three at once, you know, that's obviously quite the undertaking. Um, but they could also save some money by being able to deploy, you know, mid and low-band together at once. So we'll yeah. see what happens. But um, this is a big deal because India is the sec- world's second biggest cellular market. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting that they're doing such a sloth of spectrum. And, you know, I as I kind of followed up on, on the news, the, the thought process there, because it's such a wide swath, that they're not expecting to see like what we saw in the US with C band and that sort of that that over escalation and, and cost. The other interesting thing, you mentioned the three big uh, mobile operators in India that are participating. There's a fourth group. Um, they, 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 they kind of threw their, their cards down, um, because each of, yeah, yeah, they, each of these operators and, and this, this fourth service provider, they had to put some upfront money, um, earnest money, uh, to be able to participate in, in the auction. And this, this, this kind of fourth entrant put the least amount in, but it's interesting. They're not planning to launch a consumer network deployment. They want to focus on private. That's really interesting because the news out of India, the mobile network operators, they're almost fearful of private private network deployments. And 
being locked out of you know the the monetization opportunity. So the the operators in India are sort of taking a different tack there, and it's interesting to see this fourth player um, come in, and uh, it'll be interesting to see once the dust settles, you know, the spectrum allocation between these four players, but. It's just interesting because you've got this wild card in the mix that wants to go do private where the other operators don't want to do that. So it's quite interesting, but uh, we'll keep tabs on it. Let's go to my second topic this week. And I want to talk again about NTT. And I'm reading a lot about them in the news lately. And they're actually partnering with Intel. And they're going to help BMW deploy a 5G test bed. Um, and I want to kind of talk about some of the expected business outcomes. Now, BMW has been working with Deutsche Telekom. You and I have talked about um, that on prior podcasts, but this is uh, th this test deployment is at um, one of their facilities, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mispronounce it, Ding Ding Golfing in Bavaria. And um, what they want to do is they want to test kind of material movement. They call them tugger trains that are used to transport um, components for the cars. Uh, back and forth through the, the manufacturing facilities. They also want to trial a blockchain-based system to trace supplies, um, which I think is a great use case as well. And, uh, and Intel is partnered. Um, NTT obviously has a private um, 5G uh, platform, but Intel is supplying the edge compute. And we've talked about edge compute on past podcasts as well, sort of a way to sort of supercharge um, the, uh, the 5G applications. And so again, this is a test bed, and you know, in, in the article I, that I read, um, you know, they were they were very you know kind of careful to state that you know BMW is deploying other private 5G production networks, but that this was specifically kind of suited uh, to do some some tests. And actually, BMW has an innovation hub um, that's in the same sort of location, and. Um, you know, I think this is pretty positive. Um, these use cases are pretty, from my pers you know, perspective, um, obvious. But, uh, and certainly, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about, you know, car manufacturers adopting private 5G deployments to further digitalize what their operations and bring more efficiency. But what are your thoughts? This sounds like BMW is modernizing their factory. Yeah. Um, they already agreed to use T-Mobile for their 5G and their vehicles in the US. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see where, where that goes long-term, but um, you know, being able to deploy 5G in a factory uh, is becoming an increasing application of private 5G. I agree, I agree. Let's go to your second topic and T-Mobile announced their earnings this week. And you wanna kind of talk about that, but you, you're also gonna do a couple extra bonus topics here. You wanna talk about fixed wireless access and Comcast, as well as some other FWA deployments? Yeah, so first of all, T-Mobile had a really good quarter. Uh, they reported $19.7 billion in revenue, um, which is actually down slightly from the year ago quarter, which missed analyst expectations, but they added 1.7 million new customers, which is up from 1.3 million a year ago, yeah. which is a big deal. And... Um, so Mike Sievert, the CEO of T-Mobile, said that uh, they're expecting to have between 6.6 to 6.3 million new subscribers this year, um, which is up from an all-time high of 5.5 million last year. So um, they're actually expecting subscribers to grow this year, 
in spite of all the things that are happening in the economy right now uh-huh. um, in terms of demand. And they also said that they added 560,000 broadband users for its internet service, um, which is uh, even faster than the last, last quarter of the, or last, last quarter, first quarter of this year, which yeah. was 338,000. So almost half uh, of the users that they gained this, this quarter um, were from fixed wireless, which leads me to uh, the, F, the um, report from the GSA that says that in 2021, there was an increase of, C, of 5GE fixed wireless CPE shipments of 162%, mm-hmm. which is 3.6 million units. And they expect this year to be 7.6 million, which is essentially more than a doubling of last year. And yeah. based on T-Mobile's performance right now, that seems to be the case. So I think T-Mobile is kind of like one of the big drivers of this. When you consider that they're doing you know, half a million per quarter yeah. in terms of broadband users, that's 2 million in, the, in a total year if they yeah. keep this trajectory. So if they do 2 million this year, that's going to be more than a quarter of the entire world CPE shipments for 5G fixed wireless. So um, that dovetails into broadband and uh, a broadband announcement that Comcast said that their broadband business stopped growing for the first time ever, which I have a feeling has to do with T-Mobile and Verizon's fixed, 5G fixed wireless businesses, which are both growing fairly well for both companies. Right. Um, it, you know, fixed wireless is the only bright spot in Verizon's business right now. Right. And, yeah. um, and T-Mobile's, it's like, you know, it's obviously a big driver for them but it's a part of an overall good story for T-Mobile. And as a result, I just think that um, we're seeing a lot of these different trends kind of happening. And, you know, you and I have been talking about how, you know, 5G fixed wireless was going to be a big opportunity um, for the industry early on. Yeah. Lo and behold, it's, it's, it's actually happening now. And what's the enabler? Midband. You know, yeah. I, I had a friend who recently posted on Facebook that um, he has... Comcast and actually it wasn't Comcast. He had Charter. He had Charter, which is the other competitor to Comcast. He was getting the same speeds, roughly 450 megabits, slightly higher latency, but he's paying 20 bucks a month less and he's much happier with the service. So, um, you know, I think this trend is going to continue as more people discover that they have a much better experience on 5G FWA than they do on, you know, either Charter or Spectrum. Or yeah. whoever their their local ISP might be. No, so. yeah, I mean it's it's pretty compelling, and you know, I, I'm not surprised that you know that Comcast is seeing, you know, what what they're experiencing right now. I mean, I I have Comcast service in two two of two of my rental property homes, and it's super expensive. It's like sixty seventy dollars just for internet. And the performance is is not great, and so I, I may actually do the Pepsi challenge. And you know, T-Mobile's got you know this very frictionless, you know, uh, program where you can you know you, you know for I think it's like it's a it's a kind of a no risk trial, and I'm going to do the Pepsi challenge and test it out. And you know, I may convert those two properties to uh, 5G FWA in Fort Collins and uh, in Isla Mirada, Florida. So um, yeah, no, it's. It's super compelling. I think, you know, there are some mobile network operators that state that 
in deploying FWA, you're gonna you're gonna put a lot of users on Spectrum, and that's gonna sort of detract from those those mobile users. But um, it's not slowing T-Mobile down at all, right? Cool. Well, let's move to my third and final topic, and I want to talk about news that came out um, today. It's actually on um, Mobile World Live, and uh, the United Kingdom announced a partnership with South Korea to further 5G and 6G innovation. And it's a smart move from my perspective. You and I have talked about South Korea. They've absolutely been the leader in deploying 5G. They've been ahead of the curve. Um, they've also been ahead of the curve with respect to 5G use cases and applications. So what's really interesting, um, the United Kingdom established um, a fund um, previously uh, earmarking 250 million pounds, and it's focused on open networking. And you know, Open RAN comes into play here. Um, it, there, there's no surprise that, you know, that the UK is focused on this because there is a lot of Huawei and ZTE infrastructure deployed in England and they're going through the rip and replace of that. But um, you know, one of the things that they're partnering with um, South Korea on is putting um, an earmarking of almost a four million pound purse um, that's gonna reward um, early stage research with universities and just the industry in general to focus on open and interoperable telecom systems using 5G and 6G with an emphasis on uh, power management. And uh, for our viewers and listeners that aren't aware of this, um, power you know, from, you know, from an OPEX perspective is one of the biggest you know, cost um, to mobile network operators. So I, I think it's innovative that the UK is focused on this. I think it's, it's, it's even more innovative that they recognize South Korea's leadership in 5G, and they're partnering with South Korea to drive innovation. And I'm sure South Korea, the South Korean market will benefit from it as well. But what are your thoughts? I think it's it's a good idea. I think when you consider that the UK and um, Korea both had very similar 5G launches, I could see them kind of aligning on 6G as well. Yeah. And you know, I think that uh, there's going to be demand for um, collaboration between countries with smaller R&D budgets. Right. Um, so I think, I think it's a great idea for Korea and the UK to collaborate. And I think, I think there'll be net positive for everybody. I agree. You know, it's also interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. So in Europe, there's, there's been a lot of discussion around RAN sharing and, you know, building, you know, these radio access networks and having operators, you know, kind of pull their resources to build them out. So that's not dissimilar from, you know, what we're seeing with this particular partnership. So um, it's innovative. It'll be interesting to see the fruits of it and uh, we'll definitely keep tabs on it. But let's move to your third and final topic this week. And you wanna talk about Qualcomm. They had another bang up quarter with, with respect to uh, earnings and they announced a, a partnership, a new partnership or a renewal with Samsung, right? Yeah, so, so actually I wanted to kind of uh, blend the, a multitude of topics together, Qualcomm's earnings uh, and Apple's earnings, um, but also an extension of Qualcomm's relationship with Samsung, which I think are all very closely related. Cool. Um, so Qualcomm's earnings, they, they crushed on earnings itself, um, but then they guided that they expect the next quarter not to be as good in terms of profitability due to 
the challenging economic environment around the world. Sure. Um, so their shares dipped, even though um, they were basically beat on revenue and on profit. Um, and their their gross margin was also slightly down to 56% from 57.8%. Um, so overall, Qualcomm looks pretty good. Um, and this during this announcement, they also announced an extension of their partnership with Samsung, I believe through 2030. Okay. Um, which would set them uh, a seven-year agreement. It extends their, their existing agreement um, from now, which is, I think, expected to expire in 2024 or 2023. And then it expands it into 5G and 6G licensing. And it increases Qualcomm's share of Samsung Galaxy S phones from the existing 75% up to an undisclosed amount. Let's just say closer to 100%. Right. Uh, which might mean that Europeans might finally get Snapdragon chips in their in their Samsung phones at the high end. Right. Um, and then they also said that they'll expand into other areas, not just on phones. So they will partner on PCs, tablets, and XR, which is really interesting because Samsung hasn't actually announced an XR headset yet. Right. Um, so they're rumored to be working on one, but it's interesting because Microsoft and ByteDance already have announced partnerships with Qualcomm to get chips from them for XR. So that was an interesting announcement. And then Apple today announced earnings and they basically had profit fall um, in that quarter, but revenue continued to increase yeah. due to increased iPhone sales. Um, and if you look at the global smartphone market share, I mean, it kind of makes sense because smartphone market share did dip about 9% in terms of shipments. Yeah. Um, and the only two companies that grew um, in shipments last quarter were Apple and Samsung. So um, basically we've had a lot of earnings. Um, there've been a lot of you know shifts in terms of market share globally. Um, it seems like Qualcomm's pretty solid. What was interesting was that Cristiano, the CEO of Qualcomm, refused to answer the question of whether or not um, they will see a, a revenue slash profit upside due to the rumored delay of Apple's modem design. Because yeah. originally at the Qualcomm Investor Day, I don't know, like a, all, last October, they said that they expect you know to only have 20% of the business that they do now yeah. um, with Apple due to their own modem being developed. But if that's actually getting delayed, then there's a possibility that maybe they, they get that additional revenue um, and the and profitability. And, you know, that might be like a surprise for, for Q3. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but that's kind of the, the overall uh, story there. Uh, and yeah, that, I think that's kind of, kind of it. I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. You know, so it sounds like Cristiano is sandbagging a little bit with Apple. I mean, I I'm expecting to see an upside, you know, given, Apple stumbles, you know, with their own, with their own modems. I think there's additional upside for Qualcomm with Samsung as well. So you were kind of, you know, walking through the, the end devices and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, from an infrastructure perspective, you know, Samsung networks, we've talked about them on prior podcasts. I mean, there, there are a lot of different things that I think Samsung could leverage from Qualcomm. You know, Qualcomm has done this open RAN accelerator um, card reference design and Samsung is very, very focused on VRAN and OpenRAN. And that's something that I think Samsung could lean into as well. So 
I think both Apple and Samsung provide some significant upside to Qualcomm, um, you know, over the next, you know, several quarters, despite, you know, what we're experiencing with now it's officially inflation. Uh, I saw, yeah, or yeah, recession, you know, driven by inflation. We've had two consecutive quarters of GDP, um, you know, decline. And, um, and, and that's going to cause some people to slow down and that sort of thing. But, but I, I think, yeah, I think the future looks very bright, you know, for Qualcomm. They continue to really drive the 5G ecosystem. So time will tell. But hey, buddy, it was another great podcast. Why don't you take us home? Absolutely. We hope our viewers and listeners found this week's topics interesting. If anyone out there would like to provide insights on a specific 5G topic for a future podcast, please reach out to us on social media. Will is at Will Tech and I'm at Anshal Saad. We hope you have a great weekend and please tune in again next week.